It's Frank Mymars with the pitch. Swung on and hit the right field. Let's play back there. Play back there. Hold on! Parker's win! Parker's win! Oh, they've done it. The world's number one pair are Wimbledon champions, and it's easy to see why. How good a performance was that? Neil Skopsky, overcome by the enormity of this achievement. All right, welcome back to another edition of Tiger's Win. Cody Worsham, happy to be joined by LSU tennis legend, Neil Skopsky. Neil, thanks for uh, stopping by. I know you're... Uh, you're a man that's well traveled and busy these days. Uh, number two player in the in the world in the doubles rankings, number one last year. So I know you're busy. Really appreciate your time today. No, no, thanks for having me on. Uh, always nice to come back to Baton Rouge, um, see the see the facilities, and obviously uh, get a bit of training in with the with the team. Let's uh, let's start there. Let's start about how you got to Baton Rouge mm-hmm. in the first place. I know your brother was another LSU tennis legend. Um, maybe I know I've done enough research to know that you came here. Uh, largely because he was here already. So maybe if you could speak on his behalf and tell us why he came here and then what made you want to follow in his footsteps? Yeah, so a long time ago now, he uh, he was looking at colleges. Um, he was actually meant to be going to Arkansas. Um, so luckily he, he changed <laughs> he his mind. He chose well. <laughs> yeah. Um, so he was playing in junior Wimbledon. So basically Wimbledon for under 18s. Yep. Um, and the assistant at, uh, at the time at LSU, Mark Boris, who's now the head coach at Tulane, he saw Ken at Wimbledon, um, approached him, and he was like, would you like to come to LSU? And Ken was like, what's that? Like, he didn't really know much <laughs> about college yep. college tennis. Um, he got to, came on a, a recruiting trip uh, and loved it. He changed his mind, um, didn't want to go to Arkansas, wanted to come to Baton Rouge. And then, yeah, I uh, kind of followed in his footsteps. Um, he's six and a half years older than me. Um, I didn't really have many options on, like Ken mm-hmm. um, because when you're growing up you play tournaments at under 18 level around the world I didn't do that I was more like based in based in England yep um, focusing on my academics to make sure I went to college um, and Jeff Brown at the time the head coach he was the only one that kind of seen me play a couple of times um, and he kind of took a chance on me uh, gave me a scholarship and hopefully I, I repaid him um, seemed to go well um really enjoyed my time here and yeah it's gone it was it's been a, a great um stepping stone to before going to the pros um coming to baton rouge and um being an lsu tiger because i mean the facilities here compared to in the uk are incredible yeah uh, you, you you get treated so well you get treated like a professional um and it was just the the perfect stepping stone for me to go to the pros. I want to talk about that that college experience in a second, but before we go there, I kind of want to go back um, to your childhood. And I was doing some research for this, and I, I believe maybe you grew up like right by a, a tennis club, maybe yeah. in your backyard or something. Yeah. So, and I think maybe your parents were really involved there. So, was tennis sort of kind of predestined for you? I know you probably played some other sports, mm-hmm. uh, probably football if you grew up in Liverpool. Um, but what were you know, what was sort of your path into tennis? Was it sort of there for you and you, you sort of uh, took a liking to it early? Yeah, I didn't have much of a choice. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so my house in Liverpool, my parents' house at Becks has a garden and has a, like a, a gate. Mm-hmm. And then we have six tennis courts in the back, nice. the back of that. So obviously my brother was playing. He was, um, I started when I was three. So he was about nine or 10 um, when I started playing. And it, yeah, it was just watching him play. Um, and then I kind of got, 
got the knack of it. Um, playing with him, he, obviously, when you're playing with someone better than you, you're always going to improve. Mm-hmm. Um, so he had a, a massive influence on my tennis growing up. Uh, my dad also played a little bit, um, but he was a, a semi-professional soccer player, okay. uh, football player. Yeah, uh, he you was can a, say football in this podcast. Yeah, he was he was a goalkeeper um, for Aston Villa. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah that's so, awesome. Yeah, he he did that for a little bit. Then he um, he had a bad injury. He broke his arm. And he had to stop and he retired from from that. Um, So we we had sports always in our blood. Um, So that was, it was always nice to kind of play a little bit of tennis, uh, not too serious um, when I was younger. And then it kind of gradually got more and more intensive when I was uh, probably in my teens. Um, But I didn't really take tennis too seriously until I got to college. Um, And then seeing my brother on the tour as a professional doing so well, um, that kind of gave me a little bit of a, um, a kick up the the backside yeah. to kind of yeah. to see I, I could actually do this myself yeah um, and someone like uh, Jeff Brown and Danny Danny Bryan they were my coaches and Jeff had been a professional in the past he had been I think 40 ish in the world in doubles mm-hmm. um, and he always said to me that you can be you can be top five top ten in the world but I I never believed it um, so the more and more I played got better in college and then around my my senior year, it was it kind of all clicked, and um, I was a three-time All-American. And then I I finished college, and it was more like, what do I do now? Yeah. Um, my brother was he was top hundred at the time on the professional circuit, and he was looking for a doubles partner. Um, and it was just basically easy process for me to kind of step into them shoes and play with him. And here we are today, and it's it's gone so well. And it's I've got a lot to thank uh, the LSU coaches for that. So you mentioned that Coach Brown told you you could be top five, top ten in the world. What, what, yeah. did, what, did, what did they see in you that you didn't see in yourself at the time? I honestly don't know. Yeah. I think it's just, um, I guess, just Jeff had seen the level where people um, need to be to mm-hmm. be a very top, um, top professional. Um, I guess not knowing that level, myself being quite um, raw and not knowing the game, um, but until you see it, it's not that far away. Um, hmm. And also, the more and more I got to see Ken doing well on the tour, it made things a lot easier for me to kind of process, like, because you look on the TV and you're like, these guys are unbelievable. How can I get to that level? Mm-hmm. Um, until you you get thrown to, on the same court as them to come up against them, then you can start to see that they're not as good as you think. They are, they're not immortal. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, the more experiences that you get at that level... Um, the easier it gets in all different scenarios where like playing um, for your first LSU match you're very nervous going onto the court mm-hmm. and when, you, when you're in your senior year it's just another match yep. um, but yeah it's the same in the pros until you experience them situations you're always going to be nervous going into them like I was in my first Grand Slam final last year at the US Open I was pretty nervous going into that event um, but now if I go into the same um, thing this year, the same final this year. I'm going to be. I'll have more experience. I'm not going to be as nervous, um, and hopefully, it, uh, I can win this time. <laughs> yeah, no, no question. And uh, it's almost like if someone can show you the path, that's step one, right? Show me the path. Mm-hmm. Show me how to get there. Then you go down that path yourself, and then you sort of get the experience. And then the next time you're you're ready for it. I want to go back to your decision to go to college, but your brothers as well. Um, you mentioned that. It wasn't really something he was playing more of the the under 18 circuit yeah. i guess 
And then you were more, as you came up, you were more academically focused. Was that because he went to college? Did mm-hmm. sort of him going to college maybe shift the way that your family thought about it? Because I know it's it's different in England and um, where maybe college isn't the goal necessarily mm-hmm. when you start playing or when you start excelling. But once that he saw the, you know, not only the possibility of it, but the benefits of it, yeah. did that sort of change your path as well? Yeah, I think so. I think um I think my brother was kind of the the guinea pig uh, of how to do uh, how to play tennis. Um, so yeah, my family they saw obviously my brother go to college um, and see how well he was doing, but also getting that education mm-hmm. to fall back on if things didn't go well. Um, so the the main thing for me was in when I was around sixteen, seventeen, was to make sure I got the grades to go to college rather than focusing on tennis. And then yep. if tennis doesn't work out, I've got nothing. Um, so they were kind of always pushing me to get the right le- um, education, the right, the, the correct grades um, to get into LSU to be eligible. So that's what we did, um, and it paid off. I mean, I mean, it's Ken struggled with his education at first. He wasn't eligible for the first year mm-hmm. um, because they didn't. He didn't have. He didn't. I think didn't have geography yeah. or something. So he had to go back actually for a year. So he was. I think he was nineteen. And he had to go back to this school where we, like high school, mm-hmm. and sit in with 16-year-olds wow. for one year just yeah. to get his, his geography. Proper credits or whatever. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, we didn't mess up with me. Um, <laughs> I got the correct credits. And, um, yeah, tennis is tennis was a um, obviously the, the main thing eventually, but getting the, the education um, first was the, the main goal. Well, there's pros and cons to it because he got to be older in college. So he probably, I mean, you hit the ground running. I think you were the first freshman All-American mm-hmm. um, that LSU tennis had. But he got to be older in college and maybe be a little more physically advanced where maybe you were more of a, a late bloomer. Although if you hit the ground running like that, I don't know if you'd be qualified as a, as a late <laughs> bloomer necessarily. But, yeah. but for him to, you know, he, he obviously had the year to prep. You were thrown right into it. I mean, how, mm-hmm. how different was that for you? Yeah, I mean, it was quite difficult because I, ca- I came in um, also my brother he came in and started playing number one very early mm-hmm. um, I had kind of the first year I played like three or four in the lineup which kind of kind of helped me to kind of settle mm-hmm. um, but then I eventually later on I played number two behind Michael Venus um, who's on the tour these yep. he's I think he's like top 10 in the world in doubles yep um, we actually played doubles my freshman year together um, how'd y'all do yeah, we did pretty well. Uh, we got to number two in the country. Yeah, um, we we had a few falling outs along the way, but because sure. uh, he was a senior, I was a freshman. He was telling me what to do, um, <laughs> but it's all good. We're we're good friends yeah. uh, on the tour now. Um, but yeah, it's been uh, it's been a good ride. Um, there's a lot of obviously tigers that I keep in touch with uh, on the road. Yeah, obviously my brother he travels with me now as my uh, my full time coach. Okay, which is obviously nice. That's great. Someone to kind of when you when you employ a coach, you want to have faith in what what they're saying is actually true. Yeah. Um, and obviously, with my brother, I obviously respect what he's done. And being my brother, we can get over arguments very quickly. Sure. Um, but if you if you bring a coach in that you don't really know, and do you do you get to, do you trust them straight away, mm-hmm. or do you kind of feel them out a little bit? Um, but it is nice to kind of travel with him and. Um, yeah, it's our it's our first year traveling together. We'll see how it goes. Yeah, um, I'm sure there'll be a few arguments along the way, but <laughs> it's uh, it's gone well so far. So you, you mentioned him as a coach, but I, I want to get back to your college career and maybe some of the benefits of playing in college. But we'll get back to that. 
But while we're talking about it, you mentioned him as a coach. Mm -hmm. And I was thinking about this as, you know, more of a a doubles thing. And I'm sure you get asked this a lot. But for people who are listening that maybe aren't, you know, big tennis fans or maybe they're casual tennis fans, you know, doubles tennis to me is so interesting because it's about finding that partner and that can, it can shift. I mean, I know you, Mm. um, you and your brother played for a long time together, but there's also the world of mixed doubles where you're maybe switching partners. Mm -hmm. There's also, you know, probably cases where you're struggling last minute, maybe your partner's hurt or, um, and you got to find someone last minute. So what is, you know, I think we, a lot of us think of tennis primarily through the singles lens, but doubles, what is the key to finding, you know, not only a, a working partner that you can play for multiple years with, but finding that person that, Hey, maybe it's just a few tournaments here and there. Um, how much tax is that put on you mentally, psychologically to be not only, you know, it, I think the difference is in singles, you're just taking care of yourself. But when mm-hmm. it comes to doubles, you've got to manage yourself and you've got to manage someone else. So what are, what are the challenges that you face in your career on that front and what's helped you navigate that? Yeah. I mean, for first, first of all, I was, I was lucky enough to have a brother that played tennis. Uh, we played together for six years. I didn't have to worry about finding partners yeah. like other people do. Um, someone like some people, like Mike, Mike Venus, he doesn't have a brother who can who plays tennis, so he would he would have to kind of change nearly most weeks to find mm. a, a partner. Um, but with with the doubles, you you enter tournaments with your combined rankings. So my ranking at the moment is two. Say I played with a guy. Say I played with Mike Venus. He's maybe 15, so our combined ranking is 17. With that ranking, we'd normally get into we'll get into nearly every event we wanted to play. But yeah. when you're a little bit lower down, if you're say when I was playing with my brother, I was about 55 and he was about 60. That combined is 115, if that makes it right. <laughs> um, <laughs> that LSU math education yeah. paying off. <laughs> um, yeah, so there would be some tournaments that we wouldn't get in together. So then then people would start looking for partners a bit higher ranked just because of the number next to the name, just to get into the event. Yep. Um, but I never had that situation. So I was pretty lucky with that. Um, and then it doesn't always work out with partners. Like I played with, um, after my brother, I played with a guy called Jamie Murray, mm-hmm. uh, Andy Murray's brother. Yep. Um, we played for 18 months and we, we did pretty well. We didn't have the best of the results, but um, eventually it just didn't work out. Yeah. So we decided to move on and I find another partner. Uh, he played. He played with somebody else, um, and then I started playing with Wesley Kuhlhoff, uh, who I, I'm still playing with today. Yep. Uh, we started in January last year. I knew him a little bit on the tour, but I didn't know him that well. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's from the Netherlands, um, and obviously it's just the dynamic of does it click? Uh, so we started playing together, and we actually won our first two tournaments together, which is unheard of. Yeah. Um, so obviously, the relationship together started great. Yeah. Uh, and we just kind of kept it kept rolling. We won. Uh, seven tournaments in 2022, which was an amazing year for us. Yep, finalists uh, at the U.S. Open. Yeah, finalists yeah. at the U.S. Open. So like, sometimes it clicks straight away. Sometimes it doesn't. Um, when it doesn't click, it can be quite. It can get quite ugly sometimes. It's mm. like a, a like a relationship. Yeah, it can be quite bad breakups. Sure. Um, <laughs> like you'll hear some st- like some stories of people like they they wouldn't they wouldn't tell people face to face. Like, oh, I don't want to play with you anymore. Mm. It'd be like, just like a little text message. Ghost them. Or like an, an Instagram <laughs> message, like, oh, I don't want to play with you anymore, um, which is quite childish, really. Yeah. I'd rather just say it's not working out. Sure. I mean, I've say with Wesley Kulhoff now, if I split up with him, we did so well together uh, and it's just not working out. Yeah. We just sit down, have a dinner and just 
I'm sure he'd be fine with it. Yeah. I mean, I don't think he'd be fine with it, but <laughs> sure. if if that was the case al- along Instagram the road. Medium. Exactly, yeah. Because yeah. you've, you've been, you've had so many good memories together. Yeah. You want to be friends after you finish playing. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it, it is a bit of, it can be quite uh, tricky when you do split up with your partner. For sure. Um, but these things happen. Yeah, well, that's where a brother comes in handy, I'm sure, for more than one reason. Yeah. But yeah, that, that, that's what I was interesting about it to me is the the complex nature of that because it's not just a friend like mm-hmm. you, you can have a friendship right and friendships can go wherever but it's a maybe a friendship there's a professional relationship there's a competitive relationship it's just a lot of complex factor uh, factors that go into it so mm-hmm. uh, i think that's what intrigued me let's go back to to college tennis i was listening to you and your brother i think did a podcast like during covid and y'all were talking to to this guy about college tennis and both of you said along the lines of is the best decision we ever made mm. Why was the college tennis route for you the right thing in your career? And I think maybe you even talked about it on this podcast about like, unless you're a freak of nature like Federer or Nadal, like you should mm-hmm. go to college. What, what makes you feel that strongly about college tennis? And then maybe specifically your experience at LSU. Yeah, so I've always, I've always believed like if at 18 you're so young to go on the tour, unless you are someone like, these days, the world number one is like Carlos Alcaraz. Mm-hmm. He's he had an unbelievable start to his career. Um, he was, like you said, a freak of nature. He's he's already won the U.S. Open. He's set. Um, he's got a lot of sponsors behind him. He's got a lot of money. Yeah. He's got a team around him that are looking after him. But for someone that's just an average eighteen-year-old, you're very you normally you're quite immature normally, mm-hmm. um, and you haven't seen the world. Um, so me myself to leave Liverpool England to come to Baton Rouge was a a big change mm-hmm. in all different <laughs> in all different ways we'll explore uh, that in a second <laughs> yeah but it was more like for, the biggest thing for me was it was the amount of matches that I would play in college yeah compared to if I went pro um playing week in week out you're probably playing three or four matches guaranteed yeah playing two singles two doubles matches um, getting so much experience from that, playing, hitting a lot of balls in the, in the week in training. If I went onto the tour, I could play maybe one match a week. So you keep losing, and then you have to wait another week until you play again. Yep. You lose confidence, um, and it's a lo- it is lonely and expensive to travel the world by yourself. Yeah, you almost and have it, like no foundation of yeah, support underneath you, really. At, especially at eighteen years old. Yeah. Um, so then, for me to do four years at LSU. I came out of college a lot more mature, stronger, uh, more experienced, um, and I was ready to go to the pros. I was fresh. I was mentally ready, whereas these 18-year-olds that have gone pro, they've done four years of grinding, hmm. and they could be mentally a bit down. Yeah, They could have struggled, and they're like, I'm not really liking tennis anymore. Yeah, um, And then I was ready to go, and I think that's what kind of helped me um, to kind of push, push up the rankings very quickly. Um, so yeah, I think that was probably the main reason that I wanted to go to college just to get the experience, um, get a lot of matches under my belt and yeah, not kind of thrust my way straight onto the tour because your career is quite long, yeah. like especially doubles. Like you got people playing up to like they're 40 now, um, to a very good level, um, traveling the world. So for me to, if I started at 18 and then playing on the tour till I'm 40, yeah. it is a long stint. Yeah, I remember I didn't watch as much of the Australian Open this year as I wanted to, but the American tennis players had a really good singles yeah. run this year. And I remember seeing a stat that maybe, I don't know, there were 
the most Americans in the top 50 mm -hmm. in two decades, and yeah. a bunch of them had gone to college. Mm -hmm. And that just wasn't the route for a Pete Sampras or an Andre Agassi or whatever. But now it seems to be a more popular route, certainly for Americans, but um, for you as well. Um, so let's go back to that college experience. Coming from Liverpool <laughs> to Baton Rouge, what was like the big culture shock? Um, what were the similarities, but what were the differences? And how did you sort of assimilate and how did that help you develop? Yeah, I mean, it, it was very difficult. I mean, not difficult, but um, at first it was massive contrast. Um, especially the food yeah. compared to England. <laughs> it's a lot spicier here than in Liverpool. I can imagine. I can imagine. Uh, but I actually quite liked it. Yeah. Uh, the crawfish, the jambalaya. Um, yeah, and it's it's obviously the weather was a big change. Yeah. Um, the humidity over here, mm -hmm. the heat. Um, definitely not used <laughs> to it. I'm still struggling now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it is it is it is similar in ways. Like the music over here, the Beatles in Liverpool, mm -hmm. um, and then you got massive like you got the New Orleans Saints in in um, New Orleans and yep. obviously the LSU Tigers here in Baton Rouge and you got Liverpool Football Club where I'm from in yep. Liverpool and Everton but we won't talk about them so so, so you are a Liverpool, massive Liverpool okay. fan yeah. because you mentioned Aston Villa with your dad so yeah no I'm a massive Liverpool okay. fan I'll, I get up at all hours to watch them even okay. if I'm in like Australia sure. 3am I'll watch them they're okay. not doing as well this year but yeah. uh, we won't talk about that either well you're speaking to an Arsenal fan so I'd love <laughs> to talk about that <laughs> wow yeah yeah you're having a decent run it's, been, it's been good it's been good led uh, by a former uh, Everton player as oh, our yeah. manager so. Mikel Arteta yeah, yeah. yeah. He's, uh, he's doing well for himself he is, he um, is. sorry I didn't mean to get us off track but no, Har no. as Harrison and anyone that listens knows I'm always down to talk soccer but okay. yeah you were. Yeah, I interrupted you um, but you were talking about just the growing up a Liverpool fan and then maybe the, some yeah, of the similarities I mean, here I, I mean I knew a little bit about American football and college yeah. um, football but when I came over here it was insane how different I thought it was yeah like I walked into um, Tiger Stadium for the first time I mean it's bigger than the professional yeah um, it's massive football stadiums in England yeah it's it's crazy I think at the time what's Anfield's seat uh, you put me on the spot now I think it's like 56,000 yeah it says double it, that it, almost it's, it's only just increased yeah they're working on it to make it like 63 yeah um but like when I first arrived, I think it was like 90 something, yeah. but it's now 103, mm -hmm. is it? 102, 100, yeah, 102, yeah. I should know this, 625 maybe, <laughs> 325, 102, uh, 325. Yeah, so it's, it was incredible just to experience the, like the game days and like the tailgating. You don't really, you don't have that in the UK. Yeah. Um, my first experience of that was quite crazy, really enjoyable, especially when there's a Saturday night game. Sure. Um, people are like a, if you play Alabama or like a Florida, yeah, uh, people are like setting up on like the the Friday. Yep. I'm like, what's going on here? Yeah, um, and you you came over. You're I think you're a year younger than me, so you must have been here for the. Did you miss the 07 championship season? Uh, yes. Okay, so you came in 08. 08. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I gotcha. Yeah, but um, but it's still it's still a good time to be here. Great time, yeah. yeah. Obviously, they just won it the year before. Yeah. Um, and I think uh, who was in at the time? Uh, Les Miles. Was yeah, Les, Miles Les was the head coach then. Les Miles was here, yeah. There were some wild games for sure. Yeah. yeah. Is it, is it the, Mad, the Mad Hatter? Is it, is it the, <laughs> the Mad Hatter, yeah. yes. <laughs> uh, and then obviously the, obviously the is it Tyron Matthew was here at yep. the time. And yep. Obviously there's a few more. Yeah, the 2011 grades. season was, was pretty epic. You would have been here for that. So, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, unbelievable experience to kind of tailgate and then go to the go to the stadium, see the pre-match, then the halftime shows. Yep. Um, that was, it's, I mean, it's, I would... Tell anybody from around the world just to come. Yeah. Try 
one night, Saturday night at Tiger Stadium. Yeah. It'll be unforgettable. There's nothing like uh, it. There's nothing like it, unless you go to, to Anfield. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's, it, it is a That's on different. the bucket list for me. That's on the yeah. bucket list. What but it's more like a, a party atmosphere yeah. when you come here compared to like a, in, in the UK. Uh, you normally just you go to the football in the UK you go to the match and that's it Yeah. Uh, you might go to the pub afterwards yeah. um, but here it's it's like a, a long process wake up get to the tailgate yeah. start drinking if you do that a uh, bit of jambalaya and taste all the food yep. but you you just walk around and everyone's partying and everyone's so welcoming you you just walk past you won't know the people and they're like oh do you want a beer yep. and it's like <laughs> that's, that's, that's when I was in my senior year when I was, 20, when I was 21 sure sure yeah <laughs> um, but yeah that was it was great fun and uh, I wish I could uh, obviously go back in time and do it all again but yeah. that's not going to happen so I, I try and come back as much as possible and um, when I am in town I'll, I'll go to a game so leaving LSU you've got this this network of support, right? You've got facilities, you've got mm-hmm. weight training, um, you've got, I don't know, cafeteria, you know, nutrition sort of taken care of. Then you embark on the professional career. I, th- I think maybe you had an injury at the end of your senior year. Maybe yeah. there was a gap there. So tell me about that transition from college to the pros, the adversity you faced, but how sort of the experiences you had at LSU set you up to, to get to where you are now. Yeah, so I mean, in... The NCAA championships in Georgia, I rolled my ankle pretty bad against Steve Johnson, um, who went on to have a, an amazing career, not just in college, uh, but also on the pros. I was out for a long time. I actually came back to finish off my degree, so I did four and a half years. Mm-hmm. Um, but it took a long time to get over the my ankle injury. Yep. Um, we call that a victory lap, by the way, oh, okay. that, that last <laughs> semester. Yeah, so I did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I didn't play too much tennis that at the, in the fall of uh, 20. 12 so I started pros in the 2013 in January um but yeah it, college definitely set me up for the pros I mean it, you go through all different adver- um, adversities um injuries setbacks um the team not doing well you not doing well um but yeah it's it's one of those things you have to be prepared to, for all situations um and that's what kind of the four years helped me do yep um I had some great wins. I had some terrible losses, um, but at the end of the day, there's always another match, so you can try and get over it as quick as mm-hmm. possible. Um, and that's what we do in tennis. We we try and forget the last point we played. I think golfers do the same. If you hit a bad shot, you forget about it straight away. Yeah. Um, you don't want to dwell on it too much um, because it's never going to help you. Um, so you try and forget about it as soon as possible. It is difficult, but you got to work on it um, on the mental side, not just the physical side. Um, but yeah, college was, was great for me, not just mentally, but getting that, I hadn't been in the gym that often yeah. before, before getting to LSU. Yeah. I wasn't ready for the, the 4.30 gym calls. Um, <laughs> Joe, we're in Tiger Stadium right there. Yeah. yeah we did, the North uh, Stadium. Yeah. Room. We did the snakes up and down the stadium. Uh-huh. We were doing ramps. Yeah. Um, they weren't. <laughs> You're probably were, regretting your decision to come to LSU during <laughs> They weren't, they weren't pretty. Um. But then, but you grow as a person. Yep. Um, coming in as, as a freshman, I was one of the the smaller ones on the team, and I was looking up to the, the seniors. Yep. Um, but then, it, obviously, the seniors leave, and then someone's got to step up to the mark. And I think that I did that pretty well. Um, and guys would obviously they'd like to go out, like to go party, but sure. um, I was trying to be the one of the guys that set an example. Didn't go out as much as because 
I wanted success for the team yeah. um, and try and set a good example. And hopefully I had um, a good, well, make sure they, they didn't go out as much as they wanted to and that would benefit the team. Um, but yeah, I tried and do that. And now I try and do that on the tennis court with my partner. Yeah. I try and, well, not make him not go out, <laughs> but um, try and be a good leader on the court yeah. and try and be the best doubles partner I can be. Yeah. Uh, because it's difficult enough playing on the biggest stages and playing against uh, the top guys in the world. Um, and if I go on the court and he sees me being in the mood or being a bit stroppy it's not going to help the team yeah so if i if i go out there be the best doubles partner i can be to him help him out as much as possible if he's struggling then it's only going to benefit the team um so i definitely learned a lot from college and it's definitely helped me out in the pros yeah it's interesting how you develop personally but then as a teammate as well and that's mm. something that still carries you through to today so you had a, a career year last year how many titles was it uh seven titles last seven year. titles yeah. last year um finalist at uh u.s open mm -hmm. you had previously won what mixed doubles at wimbledon in 21 and 22 uh yes okay yeah. so before we get into sort of the year of success you've had and maybe what's ahead what was it like to win wimbledon i mean that's got to be as a kid growing up in england <laughs> yeah i grew up on a street called wimbledon like I, we grew up oh, yeah. yeah in in baton rouge um that was like the thing for us every summer it was like watch wimbledon uh pete sampras guy growing up but then mm -hmm. you know federer obviously i gotta imagine like on the bucket list of sports items, not only going to, Wim to Wimbledon, but winning it has got to be, I mean, an indescribable feeling. Yeah, I mean, it was an unbelievable thing for the f when I won it for the first time. Um, I was so nervous going on to Centre Court. I'd never played on Centre Court before. Yeah. Just to, to step onto Centre Court was amazing. Um, but to lift the trophy in the end was something that you can only dream of. Yeah. Um, the first year, it was this, the first year after COVID. So. Yep. I didn't really have too many people with me. Like my family was back home mm. um, because there was a limit limitation on, because we had to be in a bubble. We had to be in a hotel. Yeah. Um, and we couldn't leave the hotel unless we were going to the tennis. Um, so I only had basically my coach there and that was it. Um, and then it was so nice the year after in 2022 to have the- Real experience. The real experience. Full experience. Um, have the whole crowd there. And also the full box, like my whole family was there, yeah. which was an incredible feeling um, just to see their faces when I turned them and I'd won on match point. Um, they were going <laughs> crazy. Which That's was, unbelievable. Yeah, I'll never forget that experience. Um, but to hold that trophy at something like Wimbledon was quite remarkable growing up, watching it on TV, just thinking maybe one day I could play there, but never really thinking that. Yeah. And then to kind of get the get the chance to lift that trophy um, not just once but twice now it's it's been amazing and hopefully I can I can do it again um, on the men's doubles time yeah but it's not easy it's not easy to win a grand slam no. um, everyone <laughs> is wanting to the same thing as you they want to lift that trophy as well yeah. uh, it's a 64 draw so you have to win six matches um, but this year it's going to be a little bit different on the men's side because uh, the best of five is now gone Okay. I've changed it to best of three. Okay. Um, so um, matches are going to be shorter. Um, matches aren't going to go as long. People are going to be fresher. Mm. Um, so yeah, you, you can't have any lapses in concentration. You've got to be ready from ball one. Um, you can't kind of work your way into the match anymore. Um, if you like this year, we were we lost to an Australian team who actually went on to win it. Um, they won the first two sets. 
if that happens this year, we've lost. Done. Um, but we got it back to two sets all. We had the chances to win in five sets. Um, but yeah, it's always nice to kind of play five sets, five set matches. But that's gone now. Um, we won't ever, won't be able to experience that because um, that was the only tournament that we got to play five sets. Um, but now it's three sets, so looking forward to doing that and obviously hopefully trying to uh, go for a, uh, a three-peat. Three-peat, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah three-peat. Um, all right, I, I got a couple more questions and we'll wrap up. The, the first one I want to ask is more kind of an advice-oriented question. And just pretend for a second, um, use your imagination, you'll have to use it <laughs> vividly here, that I'm like a, a, a star tennis player at LSU, okay? And I want to yeah. go down the same path that you have and you know I'm a senior and I'm all American and whatever and I want to win Wimbledon I want to you know win Grand Slams and, and mm-hmm. play professionally what's the advice that you're giving me what, what's been the key for you maybe two or three pillars that you've leaned on mental pillars physical training whatever's sort of been your formula if you could pass mm-hmm. it on to a young aspiring player what would you tell them what advice would you give them uh I think firstly surround yourself and with people that you know want you to win. Hmm. You don't want to get, you don't want to be around negative energies so like too often. Yeah. Um, Cause it just, it just brings you down. Yep. You want to be around people that are positive around your game, um, believe in you, um, someone that you can talk to. If you're feeling like feeling down or hmm. uh, negative, someone you can trust and go speak to them honestly. Um, that'd be the first thing I think in practice use every day like it's your last train as hard as you can um and then just just communicate with your coach or whoever you're playing with if it's not if you're not feeling it that day just tell them don't go in a strop or say oh um don't just let the the quality of the tennis go down just tell the coach i'm not feeling too great today so then they know you're not stropping it's just because you're feeling tired yep um so the communication is a massive uh, side of that. A quick um, pause. Would you define strop for Harrison? Because he looked at me like he doesn't know what that word means. Strop? Yeah. Uh, like a mood. Um, <laughs> feel down on yourself. There you go. Um, is that like an English word, is it? Yeah, I strop? think so. I don't, that's not, that's not, that's I'll, not one I'll of I'll translate. Ours. I mean, I knew uh, it. Yeah. I didn't know it. I was just putting Harrison on the spot there. Uh, okay. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I would say communication. Um, make sure you train as hard as you can. Yeah. Um, and don't get too down on yourself because... When you're playing tournaments, there's only one person at the end of the week that wins. Um, it's very difficult to win mm. tournaments, um, but it's a process. The career is a long time. Yeah. These days, people are making the top 100 in singles. They're like 27, 28 when yeah. they're making breakthroughs. It's getting later and later because the science and the body, people are playing longer. Yep. So the development takes a little bit more time mm-hmm. um so don't don't get down on yourself um and yeah and just get a good group of people around you and make sure you believe in yourself that's that's the biggest thing because th- for me belief was a massive key component on getting to the next level um i didn't think about i didn't believe that i was going to be number one in the world when i started playing tennis especially coming out of college mm. i thought i could get to top top 100 top 50 and I'd have a, a great career. Hmm. I would be happy with that. And then keep changing your goals. I mean, if you don't change your goals, then you're only going to stay still. Yeah. Um, like last year, our goal was to be the be the top eight team in the world at the end of the year. We knew halfway through the year that that was going to happen. 
So we changed our goals to be number one in the world. Hmm. And if you don't, if you don't get to number one, then number two is not bad. Yeah. So keep keep advancing, keep changing your goals, and um, especially believe in yourself. Okay, two more for you. When you actually achieve the number one world ranking, like what does that feel like? Like what do you remember? Like when you've, I mean, you probably know. Like it's a points calculation thing, so you yeah. kind of knew. Like if we get this result, we'll get there. Mm. Like what's the feeling? Maybe when the first time you see it in print, or you see, or you hear it like put in front of your name, number one doubles player Neil Skupski. Like what? What was sort of the feeling and emotions you felt in the, those moments? Yeah, I mean, I, I still don't really believe it myself, um, <laughs> but. It's the Monday when the rankings came out to look at the rankings and see your name at the top instead of scrolling down to the to see where you are in the rankings. It's a nice feeling. Yeah. Um, that won't I won't um, that won't get old. Yeah. Actually, my brother he he actually looked at the rankings on that Monday and he started laughing. He told me. Yeah. Which is obviously not nice, <laughs> but he's like, I can't believe you're number one in the world. It's crazy. Um, it is crazy. Um, but now. The things don't stop. I mean, obviously things have changed now. We're we're in February, and we've I've dropped down to number two. So there's work to do. We've yep. got to, I want to get back to number one. Um, I've got tournaments coming up that I can I can gain points because in in tennis your your ranking lasts for 12 months. So whatever I did in um, I'm playing Acapulco next week. Yep. Whatever I did in that week last year. I lost in the, the second round, so I have the second round to defend. Hmm. If I lose first round, I lose them points. Yep. If I do better than second round, I gain points. So basically, gotcha. um, next week I can gain points because the number one in the world's not playing. Um, I can get back to the world number one, so that's my goal, but um, it's a 12-month a 12 12 month cycle. Um, we want to finish number one in the world again as a team. Hmm. Um, we are, I think, seven or eight at the moment in the current rankings, but it's a long, it's a long, it's a long stretch. Uh, it's a long season. We probably play about twenty-five to twenty-eight tournaments in a year. Um, we've probably played four or five, so we're not stressing too much. Uh, we've had a decent start. Yep. Not an amazing, but uh, there's room for improvement. Um, but we're excited to start the kind of the American swing in a couple of weeks, um, and yeah, get our season really going. Okay, so let's talk through that. What's what's ahead for you? I know you're in town for a couple of days. I think you said you leave Saturday. Yeah. Um, one, just how nice is it to get back to Baton Rouge and see some people and mm-hmm. you know see Danny and see the tennis program, see the facilities. But then, what's sort of ahead for you in the weeks to come? Yeah, it's it's always nice. I mean, Danny's been a good friend ever since I left college. Um, he's always welcoming me to come back to the this, um, the complex as much as possible. Um, see the new guys. He's kind of. Um, put his mark on the team now it's it's nice to see he's brought mm-hmm. in some great guys uh, they're a talented team always willing to learn which is always nice um, and they, they work hard which is great um, but yeah I'll, I, I see them for a couple of days and then I'm off to Acapulco, Mexico on, on Saturday um, I'll meet up at Wesley he's flying in today uh, in Mexico um, and then I've got a big tournament Masters 1000, Indian Wells, probably okay. one of the yep. the biggest tournaments outside of the Grand Slams. And then I move on to Miami after that. So I've got a, f- a few tournaments over here and then I'll, I'll move back back to Europe um, for where the, the clay court swing starts, yep. um, moving towards the French Open. Um, so there's a lot of points to be had in the next few weeks. Hopefully we can play well. Um, and yeah, hopefully put a few points on the board and put us up the rankings again. And I assume the goals are pretty obvious. Get back to number one. Win that Grand Slam is that sort of what you're looking at for for this year? 
Yeah, I mean, it completely changed to last year. Last yeah. year, obviously, was to do as well as possible and try and get into the top eight. Now it's now we've been to number one in the world. We want it. We want that back again. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're looking forward to try and get back to number one in November. Um, but it's a long stretch, um, and hopefully, to get to that situation, we've won a few good tournaments along the way. Um, and like you said, one of the Grand Slams would be nice. Um, I really don't care which one it is. I mean, people say, oh, which one would you really want to win? <laughs> I'll take any. Um, You're not ob- picky. Not, not at all. Uh, but obviously my favorite is Wimbledon, so yeah. that would be very special. But I'm not I'm not picky at all. I'll take any. Um, Wesley will take any as well. Because yep. he's he's lost a couple of times in the US Open final now. Mm. Um, I lost once. So we've had uh, experiences in the finals. Hopefully we can get over that mark. Uh, it's not going to be easy, but... If we just keep doing things in practice, keep working and keep developing, I think um, one day it'll come. All right, last one for you. And this is like very vague. So if you need to take your time to think about an answer, give give me give me a story like one of the pinch me stories. Like when you're on the tour, you win a tournament, maybe meeting somebody, hanging out with someone famous. I don't know. Like mm-hmm. give me the, the pinch me moment where you're sort of like, I can't believe I'm in this spot right now. Is it winning Wimbledon? Is it playing with somebody playing against somebody Mm -hmm. what was sort of the um that moment where you're like man i can't believe this is besides being ranked number one i can't believe this is me this is my life right now there's there's a few i mean the most special ones probably winning tournaments with my brother Mm. traveling the world with him winning acapulco with him two years ago that was special yeah that was his biggest ever event he'd won um and to be the on the same side of him that was special yeah um winning wimbledon was another one um i'll never forget that and then the other one which probably when i was playing for my country uh, great britain against spain in the davis cup hmm. uh, we played spain in madrid in front of fifteen thousand people wow. against the deciding match it was me and jamie murray versus feliciana lopez and rafael nadal <laughs> so pretty good duo yeah so there was so there's 15,000 people there. There was 14,000 Spanish people cheering for them. <laughs> and I think probably about 500 GB fans. <laughs> um, but I mean, this I, c- I can't imagine being a, a footballer here yeah. with 103,000 people I mean. <laughs> being in the middle of that field. But like here, I thought this was the most noise I'd ever heard in my life. Yeah. Um, when I'm like waiting to serve and all the Spanish people are singing. It was incredible. Yeah. Uh, I'll never forget that moment. Um, unfortunately, we didn't win that match. We lost 7-6, 7-6 to Nadal, oh, who he was inspired that day. Yeah. Um, but like, He's decent. I mean, he's yeah, a he's, decent player. He's, not, he's not bad. Um, <laughs> but just just to see it, the, the fans and the energy towards him and the team was incredible. And unfortunately, it didn't, it didn't work for us that day, but it was something I'll never forget. Well, Neil, uh, you've given me a lot of your time, so I'm very grateful for that and uh, appreciative that you were able to come over here and, and talk with us for a little bit. I know you've got a lot of work to do. You want to get back to number one, so we, yeah. won't, uh, we won't keep you anymore, but thank you so much. All right, thanks, Cody. Thanks for having me. All right, that'll do it for this edition of Tiger's Win.